You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is a special feature to celebrate World Food Day. We'll explore food through a humanities lens to stimulate hope and action and finding the way forward together. Today, we're celebrating World Food Day with our very special guest, Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you so much, Peggy, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Jocelyn, what a significant role. You participate in uh, broad-scale initiatives, and what are some of the UN priorities about food and agriculture in the world today? Peggy, thank you so much for the question. I don't know if our listeners know that there was a, a summit uh, a couple of weeks ago called uh, the Food System Summit that the Secretary General of the United Nations held, um, where numerous nations, the majority of nations got together to talk about the priorities for uh, their agricultural systems. For FAO, we, we broke it down to something pretty simple. We have four priorities. Um, there are better production so that uh, we can produce more food and sustainably, better nutrition, uh, better environment. We know that agriculture affects the environment. Is a, a, they're significantly tied together. And then, of course, better life, making sure that people who working in the agricultural sector have decent employment and can sustain themselves and their families through agriculture. Fantastic. So very focused. We know exactly what we need to do. Wonderful. And the UN Food and Agriculture Organizations also builds bridges and coordinates connections across a range of stakeholders. And why is it important to understand both global and North American food systems and priorities? One thing that is really interesting about the agriculture and food security space is that it really is global or global and local. I mean, our food comes from all different sources. If you look at the history of food, um, I was just reading about it. You know, there's only certain plants that very few plants actually come from North America. A lot of it comes from Asia. It's just the way our earth formed. So there's a huge global aspect to it. But of course, every place is local as well. We have different soil. The soil that I have here in Washington, D.C. is very different from the soil that you have in Canada, um, and that's true around the world. So we need to make connections across different places. So you need to understand the local situations to be able to learn from each other, bring seeds and germplasm. Germplasm is, is seed, really, or um, the beginnings of a plant. And so you really need to understand both the global um, implications of where our food is coming and going, because we all need each other in this sphere, as well well as what's happening on the really micro local level. That's, I think, such a great way to look at it. We can be overwhelmed and, well, what can I do? When we think globally and act locally, as you just suggested, is that is where it happens. Individuals across the world and in North America, United States and Canada, somehow the task doesn't seem as big. So when we break it down to what we can do locally, I think that's really, really important. And one of the things that um, I love about the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization is that in the face of difficult realities, which all of us know, what many of those things are that the organization shares stories of inspiration, just wonderful examples for it all. And why is it important to share successes, not just the challenges that we face? You know, something, um, Peggy, that I talk about with all of my staff and all of my colleagues, I say, focus on solution, not problems. The problems are overwhelming. Climate change, conflict, flooding, pests, diseases, locusts, agricultural land receding. It, it can get really overwhelming. And I think um, when you 
get to that point, you feel stuck and you can't figure out where to go forward. And the reality is, is there is so much good stuff happening out there. I was on a call yesterday with um, indigenous persons uh, from the United States and First Nation people from Canada about um, using their traditional indigenous foods in a cooking show that we're going to have coming up next week. There are just so many solutions out there and we really have to focus on those. And yeah, the problems will overwhelm us, but focus on solutions and we will get there. I agree with you. And it's back to that, what can all of us do? That there's something that each of us can do to uh, change this inertia. It's almost like physics, an object at rest will remain at rest unless a force greater than it moves it. So collectively, we need to be the force greater than, as you said, the problems and the challenges. And I think speaking of people doing their own things to contribute to this change that we want to make, that there's food heroes that the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization features on your website. And these are people who are incredible examples of making change right in their own communities. And so can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Um, so we have identified four food heroes, uh, Sam Cass from the United States and Rich Francis uh, from Canada. Uh, those are our two um, sort of national food heroes. Sam Cass uh, was part of the Obama administration and chef to Michelle Obama and has since he left the Obama administration been a real push to um, healthy, nutritious meals for kids, particularly in the schools. And then Rich Francis is a First Nation chef who has been pushing um, not just indigenous food, but sustainable practices from First Nation people. And we're really excited about them. Then we have some regional uh, food heroes, Monique Chan and Pashan Murray, who are focused on food loss and waste. In the United States and Canada, uh, developed countries and wealthy nations, we really have to focus on food loss. It, tr it pains me uh, to see, you know, you go to a restaurant and you see someone bussing tables and you see perfectly good food going to waste. That is really a waste of all of those nutrients that went into that plate, plus all the labor that went in, all the transportation. So we're looking to food heroes to champion certain things, child nutrition, um, indigenous peoples, First Nation peoples, indigenous food and sustainable agriculture and food loss and waste to just show the plethora of ways that, that people can get engaged um, in the two countries that my office covers. Wonderful. You mentioned a few times in our conversation already all the knowledge that exists in the Indigenous population and the proximity of that uh, part of the human family who has always had a respect and understanding of the life on land and so many things that we can learn there. And so really seeking out our own education outside possibly what enters our world every single day. And I think our Indigenous populations are wonderful places to find uh, more information out about that. And they're, they're wonderful to share. They're very happy to give us all perspectives that we all really need. So that's fantastic. I want to help. And I know that listeners do too. And how can individuals or households contribute to the sustainable development goals, which are 17 goals that we are working towards as a human family across the globe to achieve for a better future? How can listeners get involved? Right. So if you look at the sustainable development goals, actually food and agriculture, while we're we're focused, I mean, our principal ones are number one and two about reducing poverty and hunger, but there's all kinds of goals about clean water, gender equality, um, uh, ocean life. There's all kinds of things that you can look at. And I encourage listeners to go look at it. It's very interesting. So lots of different ways. Again, I want to go back to focus on solutions, not problems. Um, it can be overwhelming. Pick something, pick one or two. In my personal life, um, I pick no plastic in 
plastic bags in my house because there's a huge amount of plastic pollution in our oceans right now. Um, another one that you can pick is I also have chosen um, water security and making sure that um, we reduce our water usage in our house. And then the, another one that I've chosen is visiting a farmer's market every Sunday to get my produce. Uh, those are three for me. There's a million different ways of doing uh, things. You can grow things in your backyard. You can um, you can decide you're going to uh, devote more of your family budget to fruits and vegetables if you can afford that. Um, you can go to the grocery store. I mean, here's one thing that I used to do with my own children. Um, go to the grocery store and especially with the produce because there's stickers on the produce. Find out where that where that banana, where that avocado, where that um, peach, the, the strawberries, where do they come from? And talk to your children about, you know, somebody grew those things and somebody picked them and transported them and People, I think now, especially, you know, in the developed world where we are not necessarily growing our own food, I certainly am not growing all of my own food. Um, we have a, a huge distance between uh, understanding where that food comes from and how it got to our plate. And just educating ourselves about the steps along the way. It's not just about production. It's about picking it, about the labor that went into it, the processes, the handling of it, the transportation of it, the safety of it, the packaging of it. So there's a myriad of ways. And I would say, again, it can get overwhelming. Pick three. Pick two or three that you can focus on and stick with that. Really, really great suggestion, Jocelyn. Thank you. And you're right. I think that we have a general disconnect sometimes from not just the food, but the food system. We have a bit of a transactional orientation. It's, you know, we take it, we get rid of it. We take it, we get rid of it. And that disconnect, I think, can move further into an investment where we're investing not only in our household food system, but the one across the world that allows for our household food system, particularly in the developed countries in North America, which we're talking about today. So after the break, we'll hear more from Jocelyn Brown Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Liaison Office for North America. We'll discuss the activities and celebrations underway for today, World Food Day. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. We're speaking with Jocelyn Brown Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Liaison Office for North America about World Food Day, which is today. Jocelyn, it's World Food Day and a time of honesty, but also of hope and celebration. And what is World Food Day? So World Food Day is every year on October 16th, and it commemorates the year that the world got together after World War II to decide that they needed a, a day and an organization be devoted completely to food and agriculture nutrition. And in October 16th at uh, Chateau Frontenac, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, in, in Quebec, Canada, uh, that was when the Food and Agriculture Organization was founded. And it's really a day to make us uh, focus on all of the aspects, the jubilance we have around food, the importance of food to you know our family, to our culture, to our friendships, but also um, to focus on, unfortunately, uh, the over 800 million people who do not have enough food, who are um, hungry. Um, there are, uh, and then there's over almost 3 billion people who don't have um, access to 
uh, healthy, nutritious food on a long-term basis or clean water. So really trying to both celebrate the importance of food in our lives, but also remember that um, as we celebrate, for those of us who are fortunate enough to celebrate that, to know that nearly half the world's population is struggling with either clean water or access to safe and healthy food. And, and it's something that you know, I think gets in the background, we get used to it, and we really can't get used to this problem. I agree with you. And um, how interesting that the Food and Agriculture Organization started out or, or formed in Quebec, Canada. And I think that we have been leaders, not just Canadians, but North Americans, and we can lead again, that we can start to help with the world food supply and do all the things that we had hoped we would just those short years after the war, as you said, when the Food and Agriculture Organization was founded. So really important reasons to celebrate World Food Day, which is today. And on the World Food Day section of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization's website, it says, our actions are our future. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Sure. Um, I mean, I think uh, that it, it, you know, it's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, like, if we don't act now, um, in terms of addressing food insecurity, but also the root causes for food insecurity, which right now it's pretty simple. Uh, one cause is climate change, another cause is conflict. We have numerous conflicts around the world. And the third one is economic downturns or instability in a lot of countries. Um, so if we continue to just let these things happen and kind of watch them go by, um, then we are gonna see um, increasing food insecurity, which actually then can um, create national instability or international instability. So um, it's a call to action right now. It's a call to say, okay, yes, I know a lot of people, uh, especially in the United States and Canada, think, okay, I get my food from my grocery store. What's the big deal? There are food issues around the world. Um, there are uh, food issues that, you know, people who are, um, malnourished because they actually don't get enough nutrients. There are also over a billion people, actually more than 2 billion people in the world who have overabundance of calories and yet have micronutrient deficiencies. So it's a very um, immediate, complex problem and we really need to act now. Right. So that food insecurity, not just being where there isn't the income or there isn't the food, but there isn't the education or the lifestyle that we do ha attain this healthy body. And I think it's really important to think globally and also realize in our own communities across the world, but in our own physical communities in North America, that there are people part of those statistics who are hungry. And how does consumer behavior and collective demand make a big difference in what it is we're talking about in global food systems? in my lifetime, I, my diet has changed significantly. Um, I grew up kind of in the Midwest, meat and potatoes. Um, oftentimes my, my parents came from a two working parent household, which was unusual back in the seventies and eighties, lots of frozen food. You know, fast forward to today, I eat a lot more fruits and vegetables. Um, my protein sources come from different places, particularly I've learned to eat pulses and beans. I never had lentils until I was about 16 years old. Um, so I would encourage people to broaden their ideas about what tastes good. Um, and uh, there's lots of things out there that you can try that, but our, our diets have changed and people can change over time and diets are, and our nutrition 
utilization, which is the nutrition pillar of food security is such an important part. I mean, we can have access to food, it can be available, but if it's not the right food and, and, and if it's only carbs or if it's only protein, then we're gonna be um, starved for nutrition. So I encourage people to be open, try new things. It, it puts into perspective that world national community and household hunger must be eliminated for humanity to reach its collective potential. And how does World Food Day help us realize this? Well, I think World Food Day, again, it's a, it's a day of celebration and advocacy. Um, and I encourage all the listeners to go on the FAO website to look at all the different things happening. Um, there are probably over 500 different events happening worldwide um, during the next two weeks. Uh, and, um, you know, it just, it, it shines a light both on what um, opportunities are out there, what solutions are out there, and also what the challenges are. And, you know, as we talk about different diseases or we're coming through this pandemic, you know, we still have over 800 million people in this world who are going to bed hungry. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of people. You know, that's three times the population of the United States, practically, or two and a half times. I, I just um, I want to make sure that people don't forget about this. It doesn't become kind of background noise that we know that each of those 800 million people is a person, is a child, is a mother, is a father, a sister, a brother who doesn't have enough. And let's not forget that. Right. And certainly we need to solve this problem. And when we look at the amount of food waste that we do have, that we can move the dial on that could be redirected um, with a real coordinated strategy, which the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations can help with. And uh, I, I just think that's great that we have this moment of pause on World Food Day, but also this moment of celebration and hope so that we can move this dial. And, and there's people sharing their stories and connecting in on all the World Food Day activities. How do listeners or others that want to participate in what's going on or the celebrations in their area share what's happening or find out what others are doing? I, again, I would encourage people to, if you have access to the internet and go online, look around, there's um, there's going to be all kinds of celebrations around uh, cooking shows. There's going to be celebrations around uh, different uh, local diets. Um, there's going to be a, a quite a few Twitter discussions. Um, I really encourage people to go online to fao.org, um, but also different governments are doing things. Um, many, many governments around the world, especially in Africa, um, have World Food Day is really, really a, a, an important day for them. And you could go online in the country that I covered for a long time in Ghana. Um, they have a whole celebration for that. So um, I really encourage you to look. It can be very colorful, very fun, lots of dancing, lots of celebration of local foods and uh, celebration of local people. And I really encourage people to, you know, hashtag um, World Food Day and see what see what comes up. And I think people will be incredibly amazed at the richness um, of voices and views that'll, that'll arise. That's wonderful. I think it will inspire us all to find those at least three things in the sustainable development goals that each of us can move the, the dial on. So that's really, really great. Jocelyn, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with listeners about agri-food priorities or World Food Day? Well, I just want to make sure that people understand it's both a celebration and a time to pause. You know, it's it's a time to go back and think, okay, what am I doing as an individual? How am I moving the needle? How am I, you know, what am I doing um, that is, and, and, you know, not to feel, as you said, I love the, the point about the inertia, uh, and not to feel um, inert about it. You can do something. You can make a difference. And, you know, again, agriculture is local. Um, you can plant tomato plants in your backyard. You can can, uh, you know, reduce your plastic use. You can uh, decide to try something new. 
you know, make yourself go to a cuisine that you've never tried before. Um, there's a, a million different ways that you can, the people can actually celebrate, you know, the wondrous quality of food and how important it is in our lives, but also know that um, agriculture is so woven into different um, sectors, environmental sector, health sector, water sector, fishery sector, and just really try to understand that and educate yourself more about that. Really, really important. And also, I think that it comes down to belief. We have to believe that we can make a difference and know that somehow, some way, that if every household had three things that was moving the dial on the sustainable development goals, and you get the choice in what those are, that we it's all action in the right direction and uh, the steps that we can make and do make if we believe we can. And I think that's the most important thing is knowing and believing that we can actually do this. And I do. This is why I'm doing the show and so grateful that you're here today. Jocelyn, our conversation has left me both grateful and hopeful. And thank you very much for sharing your vision and all of your work with us. And happy World Food Day. Thank you so much, Peggy. Happy World Food Day to you. And to us in FAO, every day is World Food Day. So if you don't hit us on um, October 16th, uh, we're happy to talk anytime. And please come visit us or email me. I'm delighted to talk to any of your listeners. Thank you so much. Well, how wonderful. Thank you very, very much. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? How will you celebrate World Food Day today? Something to do? Visit the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization website at www.fao.org to find out about global food priorities and what food heroes are doing and also ways that you can help. Next week on the show, we return to the series, Food for Thought. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.